Come on in. Hallelujah. Uh, one of the joys that I have had, uh, I, again, I was raised in a uh, small little, uh, I don't even know what it would be called. It's called the town of Junius, but it's basically got a bar in it, and that was pretty much it. Uh, I was raised in Junius Ponds, New York. How many of you know where Junius Ponds is? Yeah. That's where I was raised, right now next to North Seneca Sportsman's Club, which was just another name for a bar. Our house was actually right next door, although they've now burned it down. Uh, and uh, in my life growing up, the furthest I ever went until after I went to college, the furthest I ever traveled was we went to the Susquehanna River in Pennsylvania. My dad bought a pop-up camper, and we pulled it behind our little Volkswagen um, little bus thing that they had. It wasn't called a van again back then, uh, but it was a little mini bus. And we pulled this little pop-up camper and we traveled along the Susquehanna River in Pennsylvania. We would camp out. That was the farthest I ever got in my whole life. Uh, another big trip we took, by the way, is we would go to the state fair once a year. Uh, and that was a big deal because we had to get folks to come and watch our animals, to milk our cows so that we could go. Uh, but then I went to Elam and I thought it was a big deal that when I was at Elam, uh, I was a part of the very first traveling choir called Praise Song. Uh, it actually was created under Sheldon Sorge, who was the director at the time. Uh, some of you might know of Bob Sorge, but it's Sheldon is his older brother. And we traveled all over a lot of states and into Canada, and that was a big deal for me. Like, we were traveling the world. Uh, since that time, I've had the joy of being in a lot of different nations, traveling around the world. And one of the nations that God has just really kind of linked our hearts to over these years is China. We felt as if God wanted to do something there. In fact, this year, uh, Ben and I had the opportunity to go to uh, Chengdu, just outside of Chengdu, where we taught the very first semester of a new Bible school that has been established over there that is uh, being run by several local pastors who are each one responsible for a lot of other pastors. And together, they represent approximately one and a half million believers around the area. So we had the opportunity to uh, lead in that particular semester of the Bible study. Uh, we've been able to visit with different groups. But one of the groups that we've connected with over the years and been grateful for their ministry is called Campus Target. And one of their at least stateside directors here uh, is a guy by the name of Alex Seidler. Now, the first time I heard of Alex, uh, I was trying to think this morning. I think it would have been early 2000s when he came to Elam. And he connected with my son, Jonathan, and Jonathan told us some stories. <laughs> and um, it, it, was, it was frightening uh, <laughs> to think, did Elam change their standards somehow? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Alex came and was a part of Elam, and from there, he himself went to China, and now he's helped to lead in a ministry that's there. And he sent me an email uh, sometime back just offering that if we ever wanted, he would come and share the vision 
at church and share just a sense of what God is doing around the world and specifically there. So I asked if he would come. So I'm going to ask if you would welcome Alex and Jody Seidler. I don't know if Jody's going to speak. No, Jody's not speaking. All right. Oh, she'll clap. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Pastor Chris. Yeah, some of those stories that John shares are they're not all true, okay? There's a little, they're a little bit fabricated. They're not all confirmed. Um, but uh, most of them are true, though. I, I definitely, uh, coming to Elam in 2003, uh, you guys know John Coyle also? So jo John Lonneville and John Coyle, too, the most scary. That's a, d a dynamic duo. But they met with the dean of men even before I came to school and gave him all the lowdown of all my, all my shenanigans. So my first day wasn't, like, happy. It was, like, my first day I come to Elam and the dean of men comes down and he like, starts confronting me about all my stuff, telling me he's watching me like a hawk. And so, um, thank you, John. I appreciate that a lot. It's just, I feel, I felt so welcome to Elam. But uh, I just, Jody and I are just so grateful for this house, this family. There's so many missionaries all over the world that I know you guys support and you guys pray for. And specifically China, there's just something so special happening right now. And you guys are a major part of that. You guys have invested finances. You guys have invested in prayers. You've invested sending out people to go to these different places. And so as missionaries to China, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. When you're over there, you can feel prayers coming upon you. It's like the, uh, in stateside here, not so much because there's Facebook and other things to distract us. But it, when you're overseas and you're serving, you can actually feel waves of prayer coming over. And so every prayer that you pray, I'm telling you, it's, it's mighty, it's powerful. And things are changing in the dynamics with the Slishers, with the Websters, with different missionaries and Campus Target all around. Our prayers completely matter. Your prayers matter. Campus Target was started 10 years ago by two young college students who were sitting in their underwear in a college dorm room down in Virginia Beach, and they looked at each other. They were just about to graduate and get a degree. They looked at each other, and they said, what if we gave a year overseas before we changed the world in, in the political realm and, you know, in pl church planning, all these other things? And so as they started to talk about it, one of them said, you know what? I have, a, I have a guy in China. This is Kevin Graves. I have a guy in China that I think would actually take us. He's crazy enough. He'll do it. If we just send him an email and say we're two young college students, can we come over and do something? He'll take us. And so it happened. They graduated from Regent University. They had an MDiv. They had a law degree. And they said, we're going to put it on hold just for one year. And we're actually going to go over and see what happens. And so when they got over there, there was only a plan for the first month that they arrived. And it was doing all these English camps. And so they arrived in the city of Chengdu. Aaron Settle was there. And so Aaron Settle was their guy kind of bringing them around and making sure they get plugged in and get an apartment. So they land. It's during the summer. And they do kids camps. But then the month is over and there's nothing else to do. So these two young college students, Toby Cavanaugh, director, was one of them. Toby's looking at Aaron and is like, well, what should we do now? And Aaron's like, well, you don't speak Chinese. You don't have a lot of money, so like, there's not a lot of options here. He said, why don't you guys just go to the college campuses and universities, play basketball, and see what happens? And so these two young college students started going to the basketball courts at Sichuan University every single day. And what they found was unbelievable. Because as they started playing basketball, they noticed Chinese people around them were, were saying in English, hey, nice shot, man. That looks like LeBron. And they're like, what? What, LeBron? Like, hey, you're like... Do you want to get some noodles afterwards? Like, these Chinese students are speaking perfect English to them. And so they're freaking out. So they, they start playing basketball. They start meeting all these Chinese students. They start making friends. And eventually one of them says, why don't you come with me to a thing called an English corner? 
And they were like, okay, I don't even know what that is. Like, is it a, is it a building? Like, what's going on? So he, they bring him to this one place on campus, and there's hundreds of students, probably in a space this size on campus. It's right in front of the gymnasium. There's a space this big filled of hundreds of Chinese students, and they're all practicing their English. So these two college students are like, okay, this is like, God's prepared us. So they, they walk, and like all of these students just like surround them and swarm them. They start asking questions about government, start asking questions about friends. But then they all start, they start asking questions about, hey, what's your favorite book to read? And so these guys are like, oh, I like the Bible. What's your favorite book? Like, what's your favorite story? I love the story of Jesus, they would say. And so these students, they started getting like, all sorts of excited. They wanted to hang out with these guys. And so these two college students started collecting phone numbers of all these Chinese students that they met. And one by one, they'd call them up and say, hey, do you want to grab a bowl of noodles? Or, hey, do you want to go out and play basketball? And as they started to build a relationship with these students, these students started getting saved left and right. And that year, 10 years ago, every single one of their Chinese friends that they made gave their lives to Christ. And that was the start of Campus Target. Hundreds of college students since that time have given their life to God. In fact, in the past 12 days, 12 students have given their life to Jesus. Students that have never heard of Jesus before just because we're kind of young and we're crazy and we're wild, like I know that the women are studying young and free. The guys' version of that is old and tamed. Like, you know, it's just like we're not, like we're kind of like, that's where we are. Like we started in our 20s, but we're all kind of in our 30s. But can I tell you what? God can do anything with your simple surrender. We're saying, God, I'll, I'll go for it and I'll do it. So here we are 10 years later and students are still getting saved left and right. Jody and I were just in China in June over the summer. We were there for 35 days. And we met a lot of college students when we started to share about Jesus, they all said, Jesus who? Who's Jesus? Like, is he, who is this guy Jesus? Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is 2016. They have the internet. They can buy Bibles at bookstores. The students we talked to still had no idea who Jesus was. As Campus Target, our mission and our vision is to send young adults from all over the world, from Mexico, from Australia, from America, to send young adults from the ages of 18 to 35 for one semester to go into China, to live by these universities, to reach college students, to do what you love, whether it's basketball, whether it's my wife, it's like shopping. You can use shopping for Jesus. Like you can go there and you can shop until you drop with Chinese students. But it's doing what you love and what you're passionate about to build bridges of relationship with college students so they can know Jesus. They can come into a relationship with him. And so I want to invite people in this room. That's our mission. If you're between the ages, if you're just about to graduate high school this year, or you're around here, and you're kind of like, okay, I know I'm, I'm serving the Lord, and I'm doing something good, but I really want to do something with my life overseas, or I just want to take an adventure, I want to invite you to come over with us. This August, in like 11 months from now, we are going to take a team for one semester from August through the end of December, and I want you to invite you to come over with us. If you're interested in doing that, I'd like you to talk to my wife, Jody. Jody, raise your hand. Hello. She's my eye candy. She's my side piece. She's there. Find Jody after service, and she's going to give you a, a form to fill out, and we honestly want you to come over with us. It's only going to be around nine dollars or $10,000 for the entire year, and uh, we're going to try to get you, if you come over with us in August, we're actually going to try to get you on a trip through to the Slishers, so you can like check out some of the different unreached people groups and check out different parts of China. So it's really going to be a semester of adventure. But the, uh, the, the, the heart of what I want to share this morning is what God's been doing in Campus Target over the past five years. There's been a dramatic shift from 10 years ago when those two, first two college students went over to right now. Over the past five years, there's been a dramatic shift 
and our ministry and our approach to what we do. And I think it's actually applicable to every single believer. Because see, what, what God has done over the past five years is he's completely brought a simplification to our ministry and our mindset about life. He's completely, through the scripture and through his Holy Spirit, allowed us to use a filter of simplicity to allow the complexities to disappear and for us to focus on truly the things that matter. There was a college student this past year named Xu Ming. Everybody say Xu Ming. Xu Ming. You, yeah, that's not a dish at a Chinese restaurant. That's the name of a college student, Xu Ming. And so Xu Ming was a student who was going, going to a church for a while, going to one of our churches that our uh, long-term missionaries started. And uh, eventually, after a while of going, he said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him, all, I want to give him my whole life. I, I wanna, I, I, I'm starting to fall in love with him. I want to give him everything I have. So Xu Ming gets saved, but he got saved right at the point where we were about to do this big long-term missions trip like, not, not long term. We're about to do a big missions trip with all of our churches to actually go into unreached people groups. And these are Chinese students. So we were, we were planning this big thing of like Chinese leaders and people that have been with us for a few years. We were getting ready as a ministry to send them to different areas. And Xu Ming just got saved and he came up to one of the leaders and he said, hey, can I go on this trip? I really want to go. And the leader's name, he was a Chinese college student, his name was Daniel. And Daniel was like, oh, man, you just got saved. Like, we've been planning this trip for a while. We've been doing trainings. We've been trying to, like, you know, figure out who do we want to go and who maybe it's not time to go with us on this trip because they're, they're going to unreached people groups. They're going to, some, they're going to an AIDS hospital to pray for the sick, pray for healing. So some pretty intense stuff. But Xu Ming just kept on, like, pushing the ante, just kept on texting him, like, hey, I really want to go. Hey, I really want to go. I know I'm just saved, but I really, 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 really want to go. Finally, Daniel started talking to other leaders because he was feeling the pressure, and they just prayed about it, and they felt, okay, here's the deal. We'll allow Shuming to come with us if he gets baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they text that to Shuming. Shuming's like, oh, no problem. I'm in. What do I have to do? And so they invite him to this special meeting that they had. It was almost like a preparation training meeting. They invited him. They worshiped. And then they preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Shuming got absolutely whacked. I'm telling you. Like he was absolutely turned upside down. Like speaking in tongues, prophesying, filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. It was totally awesome. So Shuming is about to go on the trip. They start assigning people. And Shuming gets assigned to go to the AIDS clinic to pray for these people that have no hope. To pray for healing. So Shuming's like, what's healing? Like, okay, we gotta have another little session. Say so have another little session. They explain what the biblical foundation of what healing is. They explain how to pray for someone who has a sickness. And so Shuming goes with this trip, and his life is completely changed from that moment. See, he had a moment where Jesus completely transformed him from the inside out. He encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that like completely changed his life. But then he realized as he's going on this trip, it's not only the transformation process that Jesus cares about, it's also, okay, the step after the transformation process, what is he going to do with your life from that? And so Shuming goes on this trip, and he starts going from hall to hall to door to door to room to room, and he's looking at these Chinese people that have AIDS. They're just stuck in the hospital. In China, it's a very structured system and so if you have a disease or you have something they're going to quarantine you and remove you from society so he's really seeing these people that are shut-ins probably most of their families have abandoned them they don't want anything to do with them and so Shuming's going and he's on his knees with these people he's looking at them in the eyes he's just been saved for a few days he's just he's looking at him in the eyes and he's saying Jesus loves you where what's your pain and he's praying for him to be healed He's sharing the love of Jesus with them. At the, end of, at the end of their day, he did that for a full day, 
at the end of their day, they heard that there's a children's wing for the AIDS clinic. And Shuming said, I want to go. I have to go. So Shuming and the missions team, they go to the AIDS clinic, and here they are again, just room by room after hall after hall, door after door, just these, these little children. It's not their fault. It wasn't their choice. But here's Shuming again on his knees, and he's playing with these kids. He's loving on them. He's telling about Jesus. He's like, I just gave my life to a guy three, year, three days ago. My heart's completely different. I want to give that same love to you. As Shuming started to go through the children's ward of the AIDS clinic, he started realizing certain children had certain rooms that were better, certain, like, uh, certain attention from the medical staff, and certain ones didn't. So at the end of his trip, he, he, he went to the s- staff at the hospital, and he said, why are some of these rooms different, and why are some of these children not getting attention like they should? And the staff said, well, they, they don't have money, so they can't get the medical attention they need. And this is also another system in China. It's just if you don't, you could get in a car accident and go to the hospital, and if you don't have money, you're not going to get help. It's just how they do their system. So here are these children that are in, they really, really, really need help, but because they don't have money, they can't get any. And so Shuming as he's talking with this person from, the, from the, the hospital staff, he feels the Lord speak to him. He's been saved for three days. He feels the Lord speak to him, I want you to adopt one of these children. And he didn't know what that meant. He, was, he, he, was, he, he didn't know where to go from that because he's like, wait, I'm a college student. I can't like take in this children to my dorm room. That's like not safe. I don't think that's kosher. And so he starts talking with the staff about what that would look like. And they said, well, no, here's the deal. You can adopt one of these children, but send money to the hospital and then that money will get to the, that child so then they can have the attention that they need. They can have, the, they can have the, the different medicine. They can have different attention. So Shuming prayed about it, and he found one of the kids that just caught his heart. And so for one full year, Shuming has been sending money to this hospital to help this little, this little boy. See, that's the power of the, the result of transformation. The, the, the incredible thing that's happened over the past five years is, is our entire ministry foundation, which was way too complicated, God just totally simplified it. And he simplified in the same way that Jesus did as he was gathering his disciples in Matthew 4. He said this, he said, as he's walking by fishermen, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's, that verse right there completely revolutionized Campus Target as a ministry. Because we realized, wait a minute, discipleship, following Jesus for our own lives, for a ministry, for everything we're about. It really comes down to those two things. It comes about follow me. How do we follow Jesus with our whole hearts? How do we give him every single thing that we have? How do we fall more in love with Jesus every single day? Do you guys know that's what life's all about? That, that's, that's the thing that matters. How do we get to know the Father's heartbeat more and more every single day? As husbands, as wives, as moms and dads, as kids, as a family, as grandparents. These are all awesome titles. I'm telling you, the number one thing of what life's all about. This is how Jesus got his team. Follow me. How do we follow Jesus with everything inside of us? In Campus Target, this is just real. In Campus Target, the less we started focusing on our mission of planting churches on college campuses, reaching Chinese students, the less we focused on that and more on following Jesus, the more successful we became. There's a lot of good strategies out there. There's a lot of good books. I'm telling you, follow Jesus. 
But it's not just that. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, that, that phrase, fishers of men, kind of gets like put in quotations and it's usually referred to evangelism. And I, I think that's fair, but I'm telling you, if Jesus was walking by a construction site, he wouldn't have said, follow me, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus would have said something like, follow me and we'll remove the splinters from the darkness. Or, I don't know, like, follow me and we'll build my kingdom. Follow me and we'll build walls that no man can rip down. Like, he would say something that communicates to what they love to do. Are you with me? If he was walking by a bakery, he would say, follow me and let's need the needs of the community. I don't know. Like He would say something that registers with them. Like, let, let, allow us to be the yeast of the community and the kingdom. Like He would say something that registers to what they do every single day and what they're passionate about. It just so happens he was walking by smelly fishermen. So he looked at them and he's like, you guys look pretty lame and sad. Here's the deal. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Really what Jesus is saying is this. Listen, life is about this. Follow after me. Do what I do. Get close to me. But here's the deal. I'm going to use you and train you to do, do what you love but to reach others with it. Hey, fishermen, it's no longer just about you doing you. It's about, I'm going to train you up to be fishers of man. See, there's a, a strange teaching I've heard recently. Joe and I came back from China three years ago. We were there for a little bit. But there's a strange teaching I've heard since being back here. And it's, it's kind of that same message. But it's, it says this. Life is, this is the message. Life is all about following Jesus and discovering your passions. Have you guys heard that before? Maybe I've preached it. If I did, I'm sorry. But that's, that's only half right. It's not just about you. It's, yes, it's about you following Jesus, about all of us following Jesus. How do we burn more for Jesus than we did yesterday? How do we dive into the word more than we did yesterday? That's what life's about. But then it's about, okay, discover your passions, but realize they're not just for you. Realize I want to use you in your listening. All the listeners are like, yeah, like... I want to use you in your gift of gab. I want to use you in your administration. I want to use you in your compassion. I want to use you in whatever gifting, whatever passion that you have. I want to use it. But it's not just for you to feel tickled inside and to feel complete. I want to use that in your life to reach others. That's how God's kingdom expands. It's not through mega churches doing mega things. It's through people like us and you, just normal people who love Jesus, and he's doing something inside of us. He's transforming us, but then it's not just transformation, it's also transportation. He transforms us, but he takes us somewhere to bring that same transforming love to others. Amen? This is what's changed Campus Target. It's completely simplified everything about our ministry. Maybe your life right now, I'm not closing, maybe I should. I shouldn't close. Oh, okay, we got time. Maybe your life right now just seems really complicated. Don't look at your, don't look at your uh, husband's wives. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm joking. Like, maybe religion to you right now seems really complicated. Maybe just doing life is just like, you're just trying to win. You kind of feel like, let the scripture, that sentence in the Bible just totally simplify your life. What is life all about? I want to follow Jesus. I've been saved for 30 years. I've been at this church for 30 years. Can I tell you something? You need a fresh touch from Jesus right now. 
I've been at this church for a week. This is my first week. This is a strange sermon to hear. I don't know what's going on. The worship leader was really handsome. I don't know what's, okay, let me tell you what. You, you, need, you, need, you need a touch from Jesus to transform your life. This is what it's about. The second we become achieved, I, I think we're like we're in heaven. Like, like, the, like while we're here on earth, just continue, Jesus, would you, would you change my life? Would you transform my life? That's number one. Number two is, now God, in this transformation process of what you're doing, you actually want to use me and my passions. You want to use me in the gifts that you've given me. With my hands, I'm a craftsman. With my, with my ears, I'm a listener. With my feet, I'm an adventurer. God, whatever you want to do. It's not just for me. God, now use me and my passions to reach others. There's an incredible story. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up or click open, do whatever you want to do. In Mark 5, and th this story completely captures this process of what I'm talking about. The simplification of life. It demonstrates that principle. What I'm saying is that the number one thing in life is about having an encounter with Jesus that continues to change us and revolutionizes us, changes our heart, changes our lives, but then also being used as a vehicle for God to use us in our giftings, use us in our sphere of influence. We don't have to try to be anything else. God just wants to use us in that place. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark 5. This is like a, an awesome story. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Okay, that verse right there, it says they came to the other side of the sea. The, the story before this story is when Jesus gets on the boat with the disciples and the crazy wind and waves happen. Do you guys know that story? It's like a classic Sunday school story. But, but I, usually picture, um, I usually picture that, the craziness and the chaos of the storm, I, I usually picture a, a vacation happening for the disciples after that. Like a little bit of like, okay, now we need some us time. We need some introvert time. No more ministry, Jesus. And so, but this is what, this is the story right after that. So they're, the, Jesus is sleeping on the boat. The wind and the waves come. They're, the disciples go absolutely crazy. Jesus is still snoozing. They have to wake him up. He wakes up and says, peace. And then the wind and the waves die down and they're scared. They're even more scared than they were of the waves because they're like, whoa, this guy just commanded the wind and waves. What's going on? This is the story right after that encounter. Let's read in, uh, verse 2. And when he, capital H, that's Jesus, when Jesus had come out of the boat, which maybe the disciples are still in the boat, I don't know, we'll, we'll continue to read on, immediately there met him, capital H, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Okay, so imagine the situation. The, the wind and the waves just come. The disciples are all freaking out. They land, they finally there. The disciples are like thrown on the side of the boat. Peter soiled his tunic. Like it, the, the disciples are not in good shape. They're looking for vacation. And Jesus steps out of the boat. And immediately, the second he steps out of the boat, a man meets him with an unclean spirit. This is about to get really exciting. Hold on. Verse 3. He who, uh, this is describing the man, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Okay. And no one could bind him. Not even with chains. Why is that? Because verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. Okay. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. So now some sort of Hulk Hogan wild man comes running out from the tombs, which you can see from the boat, runs at Jesus. This guy, who they're, 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 they, they know that he's broken out of chains because there's probably like 
chains lying on the ground everywhere. Like they know that he's broken from these things because they're scattered amongst the thing. Now he's running at Jesus doing his like Tarzan impression. This, this is what the disciples are hearing. I can see them like lying in the boat and they're not even looking over. Then they hear the yell and they're like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Verse 5, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs. We're still talking about this guy here. We're going to call him Greg. Okay, Greg. Greg, day and night. This gives a, a, it's a new meaning to the day and night, night and day. Okay, this is what he's doing. He's in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. That's in Greg's planner every single day. What are we going to do? We're going to yell a lot. We're going to go crazy. Anyone comes on the boat, we're going to attack them. That's what Greg does every single day. This is the state of this guy. Verse number six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran to him and he worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, come out of the man, unclean spirit. So you have to realize in verse number eight, Jesus started this conversation. Jesus said, come out of him, you unclean spirit. So verse 8 happens before verse 7. So I'm going to read it like this. Let's start with verse 8 and we'll go back to verse 7. Jesus said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Verse 7. Then he cried out in a loud voice saying, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So Greg comes running with his battle cry. Ah! Like at Jesus trying to scare him. Jesus locks eyes with him as he comes running down. And the first thing Jesus says, come out of him, unclean spirit. And this dude drops to his knees and implores and begs Jesus, please do not send me out. What, what, what do you want to do with me? Let's read on here. Verse 9, then he asked him, Jesus is asking Greg, what is your name? And Greg says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him, capital H, Greg is begging Jesus earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Okay, so I just want to do a recap here. Greg, we don't know how long, but Greg lives right by the sea, by a port. Greg lives along a town, like there's a road that leads to ten cities. Greg lives upon the most strategic place that you could ever be to get to those ten cities. I think everyone in that region knows who, knows who Greg is. Are you with me? Jesus gets off the boat. Greg runs. Is anyone here named Greg? I apologize. I'm not picking on you. It's just, I usually use the name Ralph, but there's been a couple Ralphs out there recently. Really surprising. And so, um, so Greg runs to Jesus, and Jesus says, come out of him, unclean spirit. Greg falls to his knees and starts pleading with Jesus not to be sent out of the country. You see, I, I think Greg was a very, very, very important person that day. I think Greg had, had even, even though like probably children were scared of him, I think parents used Greg as a way to get homework done. You know what I'm saying? Like I think kids were like, oh, this is all for all, all the parents out there. Like I think they were like, hey, little Jeremy, uh, guess who didn't do their homework? And they're like, who? Greg. Ah! They start chiseling in their tablets. Like it's just like, like I, I think teachers to get their kids to do homework in class. I think they used Greg as an example. Guess who also didn't do their homework? Guess who skipped class all the time? Greg. I think, I think there was like lore and folklore about this guy. Everyone in those 10 cities knew about him. And anyone that visited, he was the welcoming committee. 
I think he was also the original GPS. I think these 10 cities that were there, I think as they were coming back and it was getting dark out and the family's in the little canoe and the dad's paddling and the kids are like, are we there yet? And then a second later, are we there yet? Have any of you kids ever asked that question? I see hand. The Lord, the Lord honors that, sir. You can put that down. Um, the, the kids are asking and the, the dad's all of a sudden be like, well, actually, I don't know, kids. This doesn't look familiar. And so they're kind of just keep on rowing. And then off in the distance, you hear Greg. Ah! Like you hear this loud cry. And the kids are like, yay, we're almost home. Like I think he was how people knew where to go to the 10 villages. Everybody knew Greg. I'm telling you. And most likely, if Greg is living on the outskirts of this society, he most likely came from the inside of one of these 10 cities. Trust me, Greg had a family that lived in one of those 10 cities. Greg had brothers and sisters who were businessmen in those 10 cities. He was a man of influence. But now he comes kamikaze style at Jesus. Jesus commands the unclean spirits to leave him, and they start doing business. Let's pick it up again. Okay, I'm about to read one of the most sad sad verses in the Bible here. Verse 11. Now a large herd of bacon... Help us, Lord. A large herd of bacon, well, I can't say swine, I think it's bacon, was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the bacon that we may enter them. This is, this is, okay, this is about to get very graphic. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. The Bible's like totally awesome. Do you guys understand what's happening here? Hollywood needs to get a hold of this. The demons are now pleading with Jesus and there's just pigs over here grazing. And the, the demons also, they say, send us to the, 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 the pigs, send us to the bacon. And Jesus says, okay, let's do this. We're about to see what this looks like. It's like totally crazy. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. <laughs> 2,000 demonically filled pigs. Okay, this is getting exciting. Now listen to the, Im- listen to the imagery here. Try to picture this in your mind. And the herd, meaning all 2,000 of them, ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Can you imagine how loud that has to be? Demon-filled pigs running down a mountain and then drowning. I've never heard a pig drown, but I imagine it's like the, mo- the worst sound you could ever have. Imagine 2,000 of them bawling and hoofing and clawing each other, trying to stay alive. It's like, a, it's, it's like an Olympic ski slope of just like pigs, like, wee! It's like absolutely insane what's going on here. And I imagine there's not a lot of conversation happening because it's so loud. So here's Jesus dealing with this demon guy. The demons are gone now. They're all in the pigs. And even the disciples are now in the boat just watching what is going on here. It's totally crazy. Um... Okay, verse 14, so those who fed the swine, they fled. So now the pig farmers were like, okay, this is not good. And they told it to the city and the country what happened. Verse 15, then they came to Jesus, and they saw that the one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion inside of him, sitting and clothed in his right mind, what does the next verse say? And they were afraid. I think that's one of the most ironic, hilarious verses in the Bible. Greg has been so insane and broken and messed up for years, that's what they expected him to be. They weren't afraid of him anymore. 
Greg was so bat crazy by the tombs, they expected it. And so when they were walking, and they're like, okay, kids, remember, Greg's up here. Oh, there he is. He's eating a rock. Okay, everything's great, kids. We're almost to the boat, and then we're going to go. But now they see him in his right mind, and they're scared. That has to be a really funny situation. I know some of you guys have friends like that. It's like when they're, when they're normal, you're kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? What's happening? Like, did your football team win? Like, what's going on? Something's not right here. Verse 16, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, Jesus, to depart from the region. So now they realize 2,000 pigs are dead. They start saying, okay, Jesus, you got to leave. We don't want this in our town or whatever. So watch this, verse 18. When he got in the boat, capital H, when Jesus got in the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that we might be with him. You see, when Jesus got off the boat, this guy comes running to Jesus, falls on his knees, and pleads with him, to be delivered. But then he meets Jesus. His life is completely transformed, completely changed. And here's now Jesus now getting back on the boat. This same guy, Greg, runs at Jesus, falls on his knees, but this time he begs, can I go with you? Isn't that beautiful? That's, that's what one moment, that's what one moment of having your life transformed by Jesus will do right there. It completely changes everything. I'm not sure where you're at in life, in your own journey that even Pastor Chris was highlighting, that we all have stuff, we all have things going on in our lives. I don't know where you're at right now, but I'm telling you, one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Allowing him to come in and touch your life and allow his love to completely just like be poured over you can be completely life-changing, completely different. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him. Isn't that interesting? But this is what Jesus said. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, how he had compassion on you. And he, Greg, departed and began to proclaim in all the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus wants to transform and change your life. But it's not just that. Then he wants to use you as a vehicle of his transformation to go wherever he wants you to go. You see, if I was Jesus in that moment, I would probably take him on the boat. I would probably think, you know what, Greg? You're due for some discipleship. Like, I think if there's anyone in all of history, you're probably the guy that needs a little 101, 201, 301. You need a little scriptural foundation. Why don't you jump on the boat? Judas, sorry, you're off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would like totally, I would have done something like that. Jesus doesn't do that, though. Jesus says, you want to know how to bring transformation to your family? You want to know how to bring transformation to the to sphere that you work in? This is my formula. You come follow me, and your life is completely transformed by me. That's all you need. Now go back and bring this message of compassion and love and goodness and joy to the people around you. And so now he sends this guy, Greg, back, and it says he went to all the Decapolis. You know what, know what that means? That means he went to every single city along the route. That means he went to the first village, and as he got close to the first village, because they knew him the most, they knew him, they knew him the best, because they could still hear his screams from their village. That means as he approached the first village, they were nudging each other like, is that Greg? <laughs> like, I've never seen Greg with clothes on. This is like awkward. Like, what? He, why, like, his eyes look so clear. 
I've never seen Greg hold a conversation with someone before. And then Greg goes to the first village, and Asian culture is awesome, because when something's going on, everybody knows about it. That's why I love China. That's why I love Asian culture. So like, I'm, I'm telling you, when Greg came, the whole city was there. I'm telling you, the entire village showed up. And all of a sudden, they say, Greg, what happened to you? And Greg says, I just met a man. He didn't condemn me. He didn't run away from me. He didn't ask me my problem and say, whoa, okay, that's a little too much. You need some counseling. He's, he said, he, he spoke to me, and he commanded the unclean spirits to leave, and he completely changed my life. What was his name? I, I don't even know. I think it was Jesus, but he, he completely transformed me. He talked about God, the Father, and how he loves me, and how he wants to use me. Then he went to the second town. And I'm telling you, I don't know where is, this is. This is not in the Bible. This is my glorified imagination here. I'm wondering if his family lived in the fifth village along the, along the ten. Just imagine with me in your mind. He gets to the fifth village where his family is, and his brother had a little hummus shop there, you know, Dave's Hummus. And so he's, he's, he's approaching it, and he, he, sees, he sees the city gate that's there. And he hasn't... He hasn't seen the gate in like a long time because he was forbidden. When, when he got filled with these spirits, he was forbidden to go back in. But he gets to his hometown gate, and he just starts running. He starts running through the gate. And he remembers where his brother's shop was, and he, he gets to his brother's shop, and like his brother cannot even believe it. He just drops everything and runs and hugs him, and is reunited with his family. That's the story that's found in here. So I want to ask you today in closing... Is your life extremely complicated? Because I think this story highlights how things can be simplified for us. What is life all about? What is Christianity all about? Man, I have all these passions and all these things that I want to do. I'm young and I, I kind of want to change the world, but I'm not sure where it is. Let me tell you a first step. First step is to continue to come after Jesus every single day and let him change your life. It's impossible to spend time with Jesus to get on your knees and pray, even if you don't feel anything, it's impossible to get in that moment and to pray and to, and to ask Jesus to come and change your life. It's impossible for nothing to happen. Even if you don't feel, you gotta, you open up one eye like, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, it, get on your knees and say, Jesus, would you change my life? That's what, that's what John really helped me at Elam during my first year there. I love Jesus. I want to change the world, but I was so messed up a little bit. I need someone to help me learn that. Even though every day at Elam, my first year there in 2003, I was still making bad decisions. But I had this, I had this, I had, I had a guy like John who could, who was further along than I was. But it was someone who helped me just realize it's about just coming to Jesus every day. Jesus, would you change my life, Lord? I'm getting a little bit too complicated in my theology. Jesus, would you change me? And the second thing is this, God. Would you, would you use me in my giftings? The second question I want to ask you is that, one, have you identified your passions and giftings? Two, have you disqualified yourself because they're not flashy? And three, would you ask God to use you in a fresh way today? I, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. Would you just, can we together as a family with one heart say, God, use us however you want? Lord, use me in the way that you want to use me. I would invite you guys to stand up. If either one of those things are kind of on your heart right now, just, just lift up your hands to the Lord, and I'm right here with you. Just lift up your hands to God in, in any one of those areas.
Lord, life has been too complicated, and we just surrender to you right now. Lord, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been putting other things first in my life, but Lord, right now I come back to what life's all about, and it's about following after you. It's about you, Jesus, being first in my life. Jesus is about following you with a passion, just like, just like Xu Ming. It's, it, it's, a, it's a story of falling in love with you. So Jesus, right now with our hands up, God, we come back to you in a fresh way. We ask that you would allow us to follow you. Lead us. Jesus, we ask that your presence would be released to us in a fresh way. I just feel right now, even some people in this room, some of you have had moments in your life where you felt the presence of God in a very, very, very strong way for a consistent amount of time. But recently, it hasn't been that way. I just feel right now that he's just going to release his presence to you. Just receive it. He hasn't gone away. He's not trying to play hide and seek with you. But Lord, we ask that we would not just encounter you like we did before. We ask just for a total transformation, something new that you're doing, Lord God. So I just pray for any stronghold that would say, well, I guess the presence of God isn't for me anymore. Well, that was 10 years ago. Life's different for me now. Lord, we just come against that stronghold, and we ask that your presence would be released. I'm just seeing right now the veil being torn in two. When Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, the veil that separated all of humanity except for one man, one time a year, one, year, one, one moment, he was able to go into the Holy of Holies. That was torn when Jesus died on the cross. I'm seeing it just being torn right now from the top to the bottom. That means God was the one doing the tearing, saying, I want to give you access to my presence. I want to pour out my presence on you. So God, we just receive it in a fresh way, your presence. And God, for those of us right now that we say, man, we have passions, we have giftings, but either we haven't used them in a way to reach others for you, or we've discounted ourselves from being used by you. We just offer our lives to you in a fresh way, Lord God. God, use us in our giftings. Use us in our weaknesses. Use us in the things that you've given us, God, the gifts, the skills, the ears, the mouth, the eyes, God, everything that you've given us. We ask that you would use us for your kingdom to reach others. Lord, life is about following you with all of our hearts, but then using what we love, what you've created us for, using that to reach others also. God, I thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the nation of China. Thank you for the nations represented in this room, Lord God. And we just continue to pray for your spirit to go forth. Use us, God, to follow you after, with our whole heart, but also to reach others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good word. Uh, I love that portion out of Mark 5 and Mark 4 where he talked about the storm. It says, after he got done teaching parables, he said, we must cross over to the other side. They cross over to the other side, they deal with one person, Greg. And then Jesus, the very next verse says, we need to go back across to the other side again. So that meant he made that trip for one person just as he makes the trip for you, for one person, and then he says that one person whom you can touch matters because then Greg touched the Decapolis, the ten cities. And that's God's grace to us, that he touches us and then he uses us. I'd encourage you, if you're here, especially if you're a young person, uh, maybe you're at this stage of life, you graduated high school, you wonder, what do I do? Maybe you might want to even consider taking 
what was it, uh, August, September, October, November, December, oh, five months of your life and just do something that would be more of an adventure but also an opportunity for God to use you in a significant way. It's amazing when you go into a country which the language is not your heart language, not your home language, but they so want to know it, they so want to hear it, they actually look for opportunities to hear you speak. Uh, when I was teaching in the Bible school, there were people there who spoke English, and they looked for opportunities just to come up and practice their English with me. And you would have that same opportunity. So I'd encourage you after the service that you go ahead and maybe go and talk to Alex and Jody and say, okay, maybe that's something that God would want of me is to take those months and to be able to give it to the work of the Lord. So God bless you. Have a great rest of your day today. And please come and talk to them, okay? God bless you.